Let us pray. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. As we look into your word, may we hear not the words of hymn writers or preacher, but the words of Jesus to us as he spoke years ago. To the praise and honour and glory of his holy name. Amen. We're having a party. Well, it won't be too much like a big party, but we need to remember that parties are part of the Christian heritage. Plenty of them in the Old Testament, and quite a few in the New. In fact, Jesus got told off because he, uh, he was drinking too much and going to parties too often. Did you know that? Not exactly what the reputation that church people have, is it, of going to parties. But we have them for all sorts of things, don't we? Birthdays, anniversaries, Pass the driving test, perhaps. Christmas, of course, and all the various other family occasions. Today, we remember two very special parties that have been going on for thousands of years. And perhaps it's helpful to go back and think, well, how did they start? What, what, what was it about them? The Passover. And then what we now call Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, a whole range of words to try and explain this particular party that Jesus had with his disciples. I don't think we'll have any dancing this morning, but actually Jews at their parties often dance. So if you want to dance, then during the next hymn or something or other, that's, that's quite all right. Uh, it's, it's beautiful and it's done by people who've not got two left feet. Music of all sorts. At the end of the reading, you notice that when they'd sung a hymn, that was part of the, the Last Supper. It'd be a hymn, it'd be one of the psalms that they sang at Passover time. But of course, things have changed a lot since that special place where God said they were to have the Passover. Jerusalem, was ruins and the temple's gone. It went, it's gone two or three times in its history. And so today, Jews cannot meet in Jerusalem. Although they say at the end of the Passover, next year in Jerusalem, always looking forward in hope. And so now the ritual of their party is more like a family gathering. That's what you might have at Christmas, New Year, or when you're celebrating a special anniversary. A family get-together with lots of things to do, but remembering, still remembering their history. It's a party where the food meant something special. The children were part of it. It was an all-age event as they shared together in remembering their particular history. All the food tended to mean something. Chris Bell and I did the West Highland Way last year and I got back to my family in Scotland and because I had my birthday, one of those special ones, you know, they uh, had a party. And I had the meat that I love cooked for me. Aren't daughters-in-law lovely when they know the, the, the food you like? And we had a, the next day we had a Cornish pasty with my Cornish roots. Uh, that was lovely. And we had Cornish cream in Glasgow. Lovely. To celebrate that I'd come of age at 70. What about the food in the Passover? Well, we could be here all morning and there'd be lots of uh, roast dinners, if you're having that on a day like today, that would uh, be ruined. Let's think a bit. They had bitter herbs 
bitter herbs to remind them of their history. The Jewish nation in its bitter history has had many dark things go on in its life. So we can have bitter herbs. Or seeing as they had lamb, you might like some mint sauce. That's what you probably have with your lamb. The bitterness of life. You see, but for God's activity, the Jewish nation would probably no longer exist. The way that Pharaoh was treating them with his slavery and killing the boy babies, he was trying to, they could have been completely wiped out. The bitterness of life. Life is like that. Life is full of the bitterness of life because the world is in a mess. God said so many years ago. And we need to recognize that that's part of our lives. Life of hard labor, of slavery. Sadly, of course, as we know, the Jews have had to suffer that again in the Holocaust. And uh, I won't go into the politics of the current debate about anti-Semitism. But the issue is there all the time. There's a bitterness. But of course, the Armenian Christians had a similar sort of experience. And Jews in some part of the world and Christians have bitter experiences. But it's not separate to just those who are in other countries. In this country too, some Christians suffer deeply because they follow Jesus. That should not be a surprise to us. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble. We won't have the perfection until a bit later. Bitter herbs saying something. The Bible is full of coping with that bitterness. The book of Lamentations, amazing book. You probably haven't read it recently. But it gives you that place to lament about the bitterness of life, the injustices of life. It's, a good, it's in the Bible for a purpose, as with many of the Psalms, to face the reality. The party was a party, yes, but a party that didn't ignore parts of life, but absorbed and handled them. And of course, also, that's not the end of the story. I, uh, I did some cooking yesterday. I didn't think I ought to do it this morning. So I brought some lamb. Um, I think someone's claimed to have lamb for lunch. Lamb, to remember the crucial activity of the Passover. When they had to kill a lamb. When they had to put the blood on the doorposts. So it was a marker of faith in God. We're trusting God to deliver us from the angel of death. And the lamb and the blood speaks of that great event those years ago. But they remember it every year. It's a history that they realize is up to date. They realize that God is at work in their lives in making them a nation. And they escaped. Yes, they did escape. It's interesting how people love escape stories and films. They love escaping. And uh, we seem to sort of enjoy... I still remember watching The Great Escape uh, and, and uh, the motorbike and everything. Of course, some of you do as well. A dramatic story that makes great films. But you see, it's not just story. It's his story. God at work in his world. A lamb that was slain. You may remember that John the Baptist on one occasion referred back to that sort of thing when he said, look, Jesus, the Lamb of God, 
who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, John had got the message brought right up to date. But then, of course, they did have some bread to eat, so I brought some bread with me. didn't rise very much because it didn't have any yeast in it. And that's so that they will be eating a sign of leaving the bread of affliction. Again, facing the reality, life's like that. But also the bread that points to the future. And so we shall have this at King Communion as part of our remembering the big story that started three, over 3,000 years ago. Bread of affliction. To remind them that when God got working, he went fast. It took a long time to get there, but when they got out of Israel, got out of Egypt, it happened pretty quickly. God at work in a speedy way. So they went over the Red Sea, and they had no time for the bread to rise. And they remember that without yeast in the house. There's a great ceremony today to clear the house of any yeast as they remember God's activity in the world. History that makes a big difference in the whole history of the world. Without God at work, there wouldn't be a nation. So we remember the history. Then also, actually, they, they had some wine. Uh, they, the communion stewards thought that uh, this was going to be what we'll eat, but sorry about that. But actually, as we've got four cups here, they had four different cups during the, during the meal to say something, to mean something. And we remember it particularly, of course, because Jesus took a cup in which was wine. We'll come to that in a moment or two. But, you know, they weren't just stenting on the, on the wine in their parties. They weren't mean about it. Of course, it wasn't as potent as, as, as is today. Things that we share in a party in which they're all involved, a family meal, once a year. It's that special. They remember it once a year. Then, of course, some Christian traditions are such that they only have Holy Communion once a year because it is so special. It needs preparation, like I suppose some people start preparing for Christmas uh, after bonfire night or perhaps even before. It's a long preparation because it's so, so special, this party. And so brothers and sisters in Christ will spend a lot of time preparing for their once-a-year event. So we're here today as part of God's family. He wants us to understand his love for us, that it's not just in recent years, but it goes back through the centuries for us to understand the God of love active in the world. So it was that meal that Jesus and his disciples as a family gathered to remember in that upper room. They will have shared in the things that I've shared this morning and other things. It won't have been a rushed event, by the way. They've taken time over it. Relaxing. Telling the story. Involving people in telling the story. And of course, then Jesus gives it another twist. He takes the history, the story of all those around him, and brings it right up to date. Remember what John said? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not just delivers from the angel of death and out of slavery in Egypt, so much more. Jesus took the bread. 
and said, this isn't the bread of affliction. This is my body. Body that we remember was broken for us. And so he got them thinking. He said, what's he on about? Of course, he was just explaining what he'd been trying to explain to them for years. I always love it that the way the disciples, we might say, they were so thick. You know, Jesus taught them a lesson again and they still hadn't got it. It's good to remember the history of the Passover. But now remember that we celebrate. We have a party because of a greater deliverance, a greater freedom that God has brought about. Freedom from slavery in Egypt was great. Freedom from the Babylonians when they left Babylon and came back to Israel was great. But a greater freedom in Jesus Christ who died for the sins of the world, for you and for me. The way we failed in this last week to reflect something of Jesus' life in our lives. And kindness, the injustice in different ways that we've shown. We remember what David the psalmist said. It's not just that we've been nasty to our friends and family and others. But against you, O Lord, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Our failures with our neighbors, with our family, we lost the temper with the kids, or whatever it was, that's a minor thing. I'm not against getting angry with the kids. I'm not for getting angry with the kids. But it's against God, offending him. Jesus gave his life. But the slaveries that we are in, we could be free from them. We could enter into something new. It's because of the cross of Christ of Jesus shedding that blood that we are family. It's because of the cross of Christ that we have an identity that is far more than just the name we were given when we were born. We have to ask ourselves, is our experience of this loving God up to date? That's what Jesus was doing. He's bringing it right up to date, saying, is it fact, this is your life now. I'm not just remembering the story. I want you to live me as the bread of life for the world. I was just up the road in the meadows a few years ago, and Dolly told me how she'd shared in communion one morning, and she said, I'd brought all my troubles, my afflictions, my bitterness, and as I took the bread and wine, I sensed God said, peace be with you. She knew the reality of the bread and wine in her own life. She had a story to tell of God's goodness to her, A crucified lamb sounds irrelevant in the 21st century. I was skiing in Aviemore, courtesy of a friend who was running a a Bible class holiday, and uh, we met a fellow there who uh, did a strange thing one Good Friday. Uh, Good Friday, he was a ski instructor, as well as being a Church of Scotland evangelist. And one Good Friday in the big uh, car park at Aviemore, he brought up his van, which had pictures of skiing compared to the Christian life. And he laid out a table, he went to his pickup, he took out a lamb. Still alive. He had, he had a small holding as well. And he trussed it up and put it on the table. And then he went and he got a butcher's knife and was about, you can gather by now, a crowd, a crowd was around. What on earth is he doing on the ski slope? What's a sheep doing up here? There's no grass. And then as he went in, he, always, he shouted out, I don't have to do this. Wanted to know why. So he told them the Lamb of God can take away your sin. 
Very dramatic. He was an interesting character. We did other things with him. But you see, the message of communion can make sense in our world today because people are desperate for a sense of identity and meaning to be loved, to be forgiven. And we can do that by telling our story. Jesus remembers the history, brings it right up to date, but then he takes the disciples on into the future. He propels them into the future and says, I will not drink of this again until I drink it in the kingdom of God. He's talking about another feast. One day, there will be no bitterness, there will be no affliction, there will be no trouble. So if you go on to the book of Revelation, we have that wonderful picture of the bridal feast of the Lamb, when we should be enjoying the goodness and love of God in a way that defies description which is why partly the book of Revelation is in so much pictures. We can't describe it. Beyond, but it's part of what happened in the Exodus. Happened in the upper room and will happen one day. Because as one cheerful guy put on his tombstone, now is when the fun begins. And if you're a Christian, it's quite true. You'll celebrate in a party with dancing and seeing goodness knows what, or as the, uh, the founder of the Methodist Church, though he didn't found a church, said on various occasions, the best is yet to be. So next time you eat lamb at home, think what it means. Next time you put the mint sauce on the lamb, think what it refers to. Next time you pick up a cracker rather than the bread, Remember what it refers to. Remember the history. And ask yourself, is it my history? Am I living that? Living the God who acts in history and is working towards a great banquet which every Christian will enjoy. That's a question I can't answer and you can answer. Are you ready? Are you celebrating? And as you take bread and wine today, it may be then that you'll say, Yes, this Jesus is for me. A friend of mine came to communion regularly for year after year after year. And then someone began to explain to him more about it. And for the first time in his life, he came to communion as he took the bread and the wine. He said, Jesus, I receive you. Now I understand. That could be you this morning. Now I understand the great love that you have. So let us ask ourselves that question. Where are we? with this Christ who took a Passover feast, celebrated history, brought it up to date, and pointed to the future. Let us pray. Almighty and living God, we rejoice that despite all the many questions we have of the world, you have been at work in history and today. And we thank you that you have a glorious plan for the future that we just had a little inkling about. May the hope that we have in Jesus take us through the afflictions and the bitterness into the glory of living for you now and the greater glory of that great banquet. To the praise of your holy name. Amen. As we come to bread and wine, we're going to sing together 
Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Many of you will know that, know the song quite well, but you may not know the two other verses, so to speak, that have been added to it so that we can share and prepare ourselves for bread and wine. Thank you.